Welcome to the podcast Compass with Antoinette Lavecchia, where in each episode, I point the listener in the direction of someone who inspires me. In this episode, I interview Anastasia Traina, a playwright, screenwriter, and botanical artist. Recently, her illustrations were published in the children's book Bitsy and Raph, written by David Cottle. Welcome, welcome everyone to Compass with Antoinette Lavecchia. Today, I have one of the most magical human beings I, I know <laughs> on Anastasia Traina, a playwright, screenwriter, uh, international model, former actress, and botanical artist. Recently, her illustrations were published in the children's book, Bitsy and Wrath, written by David Cottle, highlighting the power of friendship and inclusion. She's a member of the American Society of Botanical Art, the Tri-State Botanical Artists of NYBG, the Writers Guild of America, and the Dramatists Guild of America. <laughs> Welcome, Anastasia. Whoa. <laughs> Antoinette, that was such a wonderful introduction. Thank you. <laughs> Anna, I, we haven't spoken in a long time, but I know we follow each other on social media. And Absolutely. you are truly one of, uh, one of the greatest inspirations for me. Mostly because you're truly a magical spirit and you have created a world in your art that is truly one of the most beautiful, um, otherworldly, and yet so rooted in Mother Nature that I I've ever experienced. So uh, it's such an honor to have you join me. <laughs> wow. Um, I'm overwhelmed with um, joy at, you know, your uh, wonderful uh, appreciation of my art. Um, oh, my goodness. I, I start every podcast with a very simple question. And it it's interesting because you are, I I I'm so curious as to how you're going to answer this because of of how you approach the world in general and how um, your artwork is such a beautiful fantasy world. So this mm. is the question I ask everybody. When, uh, in your memory, when was the very first time that you experienced magic in your life? Well, I, I would have to say, and... <laughs> Um, that is, you know, it's sort of very simple. And I think it would be, you know, from my grandma and uh, sort of her appreciation of uh, everything that I <laughs> did. Um, for her, it was fabulous and just beautiful. But I, I do remember, you know, um, she had a, a shop, a bric-a-brac shop on 72nd Street. And outside of her shop, she had um, a little tree with a patch of dirt. And she gave me some tomato seeds. And, you know, together we planted those seeds. And I, um, you know, watched this beautiful tomato grow. I mean, it was enormous. It was really a magical tomato, just like, you know, James and the Giant Peach. Mm. And... Um, then, 
you know, I would draw these little beings and, you know, it was sort of a tomato fairy. Oh, God. <laughs> my grandma, who <laughs> never left her shop, sort of saw this picture. Um, and, and I'll probably not get this right, but um, she closed shop and she ran me up to the Natural Museum of History. Mm. I was about, I would say, six. And um, she brought me a, a prism. <laughs> and <laughs> she said, um, never forget, you know, uh, the magic of this world as I look through the prism. Wow. Yes. And so, you know, my grandma was a great um, sort of influence and, you know, made me feel very special. And so whenever you embark on a piece of art, that's sort of what I want to give. I want to give people the feeling that there is this world beyond our world oh. and that there's hope and that hope is so powerful, you know, and that it's sort of, you can overcome anything if you just have a little hope, belief in magic and, you know, but you know, in, in this world, a lot of people don't like to believe in magic. So, you know, that's also true too. <laughs> yeah, but but their lives are, are a little more difficult, I find. <laughs> <laughs> yes this is true too I do too yes 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 um, and so did you did you draw now I met you many years ago when we I worked on your play so were you drawing and writing simultaneously well it's very interesting no um I had put that away um for a while um because I just really couldn't afford it. Like I couldn't afford to go to um, art school or anything like that. And I always thought, oh, well, that would take so much money and education. I could never do that. Um, and then later in life, sort of when Liam left for college. Your son, your son. Yes, yeah. My, 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 my beautiful son. Um, <laughs> beautiful and incredibly intelligent. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so um, when he left, I thought, you know, it's it, writing uh, is very uh, solitary and a very sort of singular way of telling stories. Yes. Right. Yes. And I wanted to look for another way that would be more um expressive to children because i really found that i wanted to engage the uh young beautiful minds mm. that would you know respond to my um you know alternate spaces orals and things like that with open arms but in actuality i found that a lot of adults love i was too. just gonna say <laughs> <laughs> that you you animate flowers and bugs and um it, in a way that is it is an alternate reality but it it also kind of um in a way you kind of reveal the truth 
of how everything around us in nature is alive, you know, but, mm. but alive in a way that we can appreciate. And I think we, as adults, we take everything for granted, all the beauty around us. And your artwork is just kind of opening up the lens for us to see how extraordinary Mother Nature is in all of its minute detail. That's what I adore about your artwork. <laughs> well, it's it, it's very interesting because I used to be very bug phobic. <laughs> But when you live in the country, you, you cannot be bug phobic, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. And um, so I had to make friends with them. And I sort of... Um, now, you moved, you moved to the country after your son left for college. Went to, yes. But before that, yes. you were living in, in, in New York City, a very urban. Mm -hmm. Yes, very urban all my life. Okay. So, yes. Wow. <laughs> the country is a total new experience for me. Um one which I, I, I love, but I had to learn about uh, many, many things. And, uh, you know, I sort of really fell in love when I uh, learned a bit about beekeeping. Wow. Mm. Now, what, now, what attracted you to beekeeping? Well, okay, so we'll have to step back a second. So, to tell these alternate, you know, these, you know, a new way to find a new way of telling stories, I thought, well, I, I can draw and it's kind of cute, but it's not, um, it's not what I envision, you know, so I need some tools to actually do that. So I, I um, saw a class at the Berkshire Botanical Gardens mm. and I, in, in botanical art. And I met this wonderful teacher, Carol Morley. She's 80 years old and she's British and she's amazing. She has more energy than, I don't know, <laughs> a 20 year old. And um, she uh, just so inspired me. And I wanted to learn more about flowers and um you know, everything. And of course, there's the pollination. And, and then, that, so I learned a bit, I took a beekeeping class there um, at uh, BBG. And um, there, I was really like, I must become a beekeeper. <laughs> and so um, my husband, Scott, was like, Anna, are you crazy? <laughs> You know, do you want to kill me <laughs> because he's highly allergic to a lot of insects and things i i adore i adore that i adore this already you're bug phobic and he's highly allergic and you move to the yes. country <laughs> yes <laughs> so we um so I said, okay, well, you, you never have to touch this hive, right? But I'm going to go and get this hive. So I w went with um, Elizabeth Carey, sort of the, um, she was the uh, directress at BBG and uh, to pick up my bees that were coming from Georgia. Hmm. And they come in this cage <laughs> and the queen is in this tiny box. 
and there's a sugar plaque and you have to remove the queen and put her in your hive at home and of course you're oh i forgot you're as you come home you you're driving with some wild bees in the car so you have to oh my gosh yes <laughs> of course they escape the cage of course and um oh. so you know murphy's law so uh i get there you know i'm i'm i know exactly what to do i i i've taken the lessons i'm an expert um but I didn't wear the pants because I was told that you only need to wear the top part. <laughs> and I, uh, so instead I wore a long coat from Yoji Yamamoto um, <laughs> that I got on. Cause you know, bees don't like black. They don't really like color. So they really like white. So I put on this long white coat. And my son and uh, Scott are standing 20 feet away and I'm about to unleash the queen and I drop her in the box and the bees go wild. Mm. I drop her back into the cage of bees instead of putting her in the hive where they would thus follow her in, follow her pheromones. Mm -hmm. And- Jeez. They're going wild. And uh, for a moment, I panicked and I started patting my legs at, to get the bees off. And while I was doing that, I was being stung. Oh, so, Anna. <laughs> <laughs> so I had about 30 bee bites um, after that experience. But I, I persevered and... I managed to get the queen, put my hand in the box. I took a breath. I said, just breathe and stop because you're doing this to yourself. Mm. Bees are the most gentle, sweetest creatures. They don't want to sting you because they will die, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. So uh, I took a breath and I put my hand in. I got the queen and I put her in the box and they all followed her in, in and both my husband and my son were like, oh my God, I can't believe that you actually didn't run out of there. But, um, and then for a year, every single day, I would go down and watch the bees. Just sit in front of their hive and watch them. And I learned so much about this beautiful society that is mainly run by women. Uh, there's only, out of 40,000 bees, there are only uh, 300 drones, and those are the males. And they get kicked out in the winter time. That's amazing. It was like a bee yes. meditation. You took a bee. <laughs> you became a PhD in, in bee relationships. <laughs> yes. You know, and you notice like the oddest thing, the first thing when I really was sparked that this is such a curious society is I would watch these little bees carry out the dead. Oh. And, and they would move it far away from the hive. They would fly it far away from them. And they thought, what could these bees be called? Right? And they are the caretaker bees. There is actually a name, and they, that's their job. That, that's what they do. That's extraordinary. That, that just kind of like my heart just kind of grew an inch just hearing that. <laughs> 
that's it's so organized that's amazing yes it's such a beautiful society it really really is all based on keeping this queen alive but also doing all these wonderful things for flowers and nature and the circle of life i mean we absolutely need bees um and so Actually, that was also a, a very uh, inspiring inkling into the idea of that these beings are sentinel, that they have feelings. Hmm. Yeah. So, uh, and that, and that's, I think, part of the reason why I explore the animation of flowers and insects. And did you start drawing the bees when you were just? Did you start sketching them or, or you just allowed yourself to sit and watch? I really just allowed myself to sit and watch hmm. and not be distracted because I wanted to learn about them. And um, I wanted to be able to really take care of them. In, in, so, you know, even the most... Uh, natural organic people still use insecticides in their hives i did not i would really just take care of them when they needed to be taken care of what you know um by looking at them very often and sometimes giving them shower baths with sugar mm. uh you know like lightly sprinkle them with sugar so i could see if they had varola mites or not and if I needed to treat them uh, or just, you know, watch their box and see, you know, but they really, I mean, they, they're so amazing and clean. Mm -hmm. So um, it's really, they get these things from the pesticides and illnesses and stuff like that. So um, that, that's why I really wanted to just pay attention. And even I have this question, which I've been asking a lot of people. So you know, when your hive becomes so full, they swarm and they don't leave the box. They make a new queen and they take her sort of uh, to a new location. And what they do is they, they, they uh, don't go very far from the hive. They might go to a bush or a nearby tree and they'll sit there for a few days and they'll send out a few scouts and then they'll find places for them to build their hive, their new hive, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and so most of them are in the pine, my pine trees. Wow. <laughs> I know so, that a bear just recently destroyed your, uh, all, all, all the boxes that the bees were in. Yes, my three hives, uh, which had in, an enormous amount of uh, fall harvest because we had so much um, spring harvest that we thought, well, we'll just leave that all for the bees this winter. Mm -hmm. um, we didn't take it out. And um, probably a little bit of a mistake because, you know, uh, with the weather fluctuating, the bear probably woke up and was a little hungry <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and had a little rumbling in his tummy. So, um, <laughs> and, you know, just, you know, had a feast. Yeah. But, but the bees are okay because, you know, I see them 
uh, it's warm weather, so they're still around. So they're not gone. I just don't know exactly where they are, but they're in my garden still um, when it's still warm. So they're gathering, probably trying to hurry uh, before the bad weather comes. Right. Honeybees are sweet in nature. Bumblebees are even more hilarious. <laughs> it, it, I mean, if you watch them after they've, you know, been a little indulgent in nectar, they are so drunk uh, and, <laughs> and they're so like roly poly, right? It's just so cute. And they're full of pollen and they're just like slow and, you know, kind of going in this happy dance way. It's very fun. I love that. I love, you know, this, this idea. It's not even an idea. It's, it's a truth that, that the, every aspect of, of the bees, of, of all bugs and nature, everything is living, breathing and has feelings yes during this quarantine yes. i've been taking long walks in suburban new jersey and <laughs> uh, there's a beautiful park and i there's a row of these sycamore trees and mm. i can see faces in the trees and i yes. just and when i touch i feel a different energy for each tree and yeah. i and I, you know it's it just it 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 validates my uh, it validates my my knowing you know that that knowingness that there is something we don't understand and more powerful around us in nature, um, and I it's such well, a I beautiful... totally agree yeah 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 uh, it's it's actually funny that you mentioned that because. Um, my friend Katie came up to visit me. We haven't seen each other because of COVID for such a long time. And, you know, she, she was a dancer and um, she, she's this incredible rolfer. And so she's very in, in touch with, you know, the inner workings of humans. And she loves the woods and she's one of my favorite, you know, uh, forest walkers. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, what a great term, forest walker. I love that. <laughs> yes, yeah, so we, we, we have long chats and great walks in the forest. And actually, we, I, you know, we walk the pipeline behind my house and into a little wooded area. And um, we found this huge, huge uh, pine tree and she hugged it. And if you look, I, I took a picture of her hugging this tree and I, I see the, the tree actually going, Oh, that feels so nice. Oh. <laughs> That's amazing. And that would be exactly um, what it would feel when Katie touches you. But yes, so it's actually very interesting. I thought that was very, so amazing. So yes, I, I agree. It's, we, if we only take time, you know, and to see these things. I mean, that's the actual wonderful thing about COVID. It's forced everyone to slow down. Yes. And whether and they so, wanted to or not. Yes. Yes, exactly. And you hear these wonderful things where people are, you know, finding nature and um, just exploring themselves um, in um, this solitude. Uh, 
with things that they may not have normally connected with. So mm-hmm. I, I find that a blessing. I agree. I could not agree more. And then your, your, um, I want to talk about the, the, you did a series. I loved how you shared your process as you were beginning to explore the botanical world in a fairy tale way in your drawings. Mm-hmm. And you, you started a series with characters and you'd name them. And mm-hmm. there was so, I mean, for your friends and everyone you're connected to on social media, you invited all of us to kind of enter this incredibly gentle, delicate world, just the way you're describing the bees, you know, this kind of uh, sitting back and watching the bees. You allowed us to sit and watch your this alternate reality take shape. And uh, it was stunning, but most of all, because you were so generous with your process. Well, to me, you know, I think that process is everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, of course, I love getting to the end of something, but I'm no longer in a rush because what, what the reasons why I'm doing things have changed. Mm-hmm. And so this, this is actually a book I'm working on called The Curious Tales of Thimble Tarn. Oh, <laughs> and it's a <laughs> love it. It's about a little community uh, of fairies around this puddle that this little girl has discovered. Mm. Uh, and so it's in a way, it's like our town, um, Spoon River Anthology. So there will be uh, the fairy and what they do in the community in a poem, mm. like, like, you know, um, an epitaph or something like that. Mm. So, uh, which I think is also uh, really fun because, uh, you know, like the, um, you know, uh, I can't remember completely, but F- Miss Flora, she has this little hotel of foxglove and, you know, the bees visit and the butterflies visit. And, you know, that's really um heart medicine heart medicine is made out of that so there's a lot of um interesting facts and real things that will come out in these poems oh how great about what these little fairies do and how they help the world oh Um, my goodness now this is going to be you're going to do the illustrations and you're writing the poetry yes i actually started writing um the the poems long ago because I was thinking of doing a still room book. I don't know if you're familiar with that. No, I don't know what that means. Oh, okay. Um, so a still room was uh, a place in that uh, Victorian households that, um, you know, grandma was probably in charge of, and it held all the herbs and the recipes and cures Um And uh, they wrote these books that would be passed down from generation to generations of women, you know, in Victorian times and Edwardian times. So there'd be jars of herbs and... and, um... Dried herbs from people's gardens, recipes on, you know, how to cure cough, you know, like a 
recipe for making hop syrup to cure cough or end of fever or uh, chamomile for tummy, you know, yeah. chamomile and licorice. You know, all these things that our grandmas told us were actually, um, you know, were told to them by their mothers. And that if there's some wickedly good wisdom in there, you know, to this day, when my tummy hurts, I mm -hmm. just get a cup of chamomile tea. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And presto pizzuto, it's over. So yeah. It's, well, you know. yeah, all of that in my family has been oral tradition. Nobody writes mm -hmm. anything down. We're all from a tiny town in Italy. And, you know, my brain is like, we, somebody has got to write this down because as they die, these generations, mm -hmm. grandparents, um, mothers, you know, as we get older, people are dying and these amazing, all this amazing information uh, dies with them. Yes. So that's, that's what a gorgeous, what a gorgeous book, what a gorgeous Font well, of information. <laughs> well, I'm hoping, but it, it's it's in this little story of loneliness. But um, but it will be, you know, something where we will learn um the importance of each person in our community that they don't have to be stars, mm -hmm. and that they really, you know, like scientists and doctors and healers and you know, um, just electric you know the electric engineers and all of these people are, are daily he heroes you know people who cobble your shoes that, yes you know yes very important you know oh gosh absolutely even when you were saying what watching the caretaker bees mm -hmm. you know they're in that community the the what an extraordinary job to have Yes, you know. quite important, you know, to take out and care, you know, make sure that no one else gets sick um, from the disease, maybe that that bee brought in and died from or, you know, yeah, yes, quite important. And there are nurse bees that just feed the new larva, you know, and there are a bunch of uh, bees that just take care of the queen. And in the winter, I think this is something somebody asked me recently is, uh, you know, what happens in the winter? So in the winter, the queen is in the middle of 40, probably 40,000 bees. Mm. And they all, you know, uh, just flap their wings to create heat and keep her warm and make her live for the next, you know, year so she can lay eggs, the new generation. Yeah. So it's, it's so unfathomable, uh, unfathomable to think that all, their job, the drone's job is just to keep her alive. No, those are just the women. The drones, oh, those are just the women. Oh, my goodness. The drones are, just come in and fertilize. Is that I, it? Exactly. So when a new, they keep them around and they're bigger and they keep the drones around. So let's say when it, the queen falls ill and um, they create a new queen and th they actually create several queens and the strongest one will get to be the queen of that hive. 
So they actually fight inside the hive when they're first born. And then they will go out and do what is called the waggle dance with a drone and he will, um, you know, uh, impregnate her and then she will lay eggs for the rest of her life. This is, I, th- what an amazing <laughs> journey that, that, that I had no idea. I love learning all of this. Oh, and yeah. even, yeah. even the waggle dance, yeah. that could be something someone made up in a, in a children's book, but there it is, you know. Yeah, no, that's the term, waggle dance, yeah. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Aww. And now, now when you're, um, these forest walks, mm. do you, do you continue this meditation and then go into your studio and start to draw? Or do you have certain times where you go into your, um, is there a magic hour for you to draw or is this? Uh... Oh, okay. So, yeah. So we wake up very early, my husband and I, actually, I'm very lucky because I have my husband here during COVID. And um, so we have this routine where we wake up at about uh, anywhere between three and five and we get ready. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my, when you said early, I'm like, okay, six, seven. (laughs) Wow. And uh, we prepare for the day, we take care of our dogs. And then um, we set out on a walk every single day between three and 10 miles. And so what? I'm, I'm blown away that yeah. I'm actually blown away. <laughs> well, this has just been this time in COVID, but, but it, it has been so fantastic because uh, one, I, I, you know, I, I get to see my husband a lot now, which was, you know, in 30 years, uh, you know, he travels so much that um, I, I hardly ever see him. So it was sort of, I fell in love with him again, but yes, you asked this question. Yes, we have a talk, which we always have, whether it's all over the phone or walking, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but we, and then I go to work sometimes before the walk a little bit. And then after the walk, I do my serious work. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, I find that as I get older, I I have trouble sleeping Mm -hmm. and I resisted it for a while. But then when I allowed myself to just be up in the middle of the night, Mm -hmm. like around four or five, sometimes three, um, I find that the world is so much more uh, beautiful and magical because the light in the sky, whether it's this, you watch the sun coming up or it's, or the silence, those moments are really beautiful. And it's so funny. You say that you and Scott take, take walks at that time, because I always want to take a walk at that time, but I'm too scared. (laughs) Well, you know, we wait till the sun comes up, but we were actually pondering, you know, um, I think because he Scott heard Alan Shartok actually wears a little light as he go, huh. goes walking because he wakes up very early too. And so we were thinking about doing that because it is really beautiful that 
the light is so incredible at that time. Mm -hmm. It's just, it really is. And you see things you've never seen before. You see animal behavior Mm -hmm. that you don't see, um, uh, at, at, you know, the waking hours, you know, when everyone's up Mm -hmm. uh, because the world is so quiet. Absolutely. We've, you know, I had always wanted to see an owl in the wild. And now we actually, through walking this path every day, we have watched a family. It's so cute. And how recently, because it's winter, they moved up the road. And Scott was like, well, how come, why do you think they did that? And I was like, I think it's a little bit because of the sun. You know, they might need more sun. And um, now that it's winter time, and when it's summer, they need more shade. Perhaps I'm just guessing, but um, but now you have you have a different. It's it's beautiful that you get to watch this little family every day. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. Who gets to say that about owls? My I grew up on a very large estate because my father was the caretaker of this estate, <gasps> and uh, I grew up uh, surrounded by nature. And recently I visited last year, a year and a half ago, I think last year, and eagles had nested Ooh. on the estate. And we were taught, somebody who still lives there was, was telling us, and then the eagles flew above us during the conversation. Mm. <laughs> and I thought, this is Power. miraculous. <laughs> and then I remembered that's how I grew up. I grew up around so much nature and it still lives inside me, even though I moved to the city, etc. cetera. Um, there's nothing like it. No, there isn't. And, you know, uh, I, I, you know, obviously I grew up in New York city, so I had a very urban um, existence and then I lived in Paris. So that's even more, uh, you know, Mecca. But you've had so many lives. You've you really are one of those people, international model. I love that. (laughs) Just lucky. Just lucky. I mean, hard work, but it was lucky that I was born the way I was born. (laughs) And also you were an actress as well. For a brief moment. Yeah. Yeah. That was fun. Um, I and I and I loved it, but I I love being a mom even more. Mm. So and. I really wanted to uh, be there. I didn't want to, uh, you know, I didn't really have much of a family growing up. So mm-hmm. I I loved being a mom. I wish I had more children, but mm-hmm. I, I, I couldn't have more children. Um, but I had this fantastic son who I have a great relationship with. And so, you know, I, I didn't really want to leave him. So that's mm-hmm. just the short of it. So I stopped that and figured out another way. Um, but always creating. You created life with your son, created uh, writing, mm-hmm. creating these magical worlds, and also creating the hives. <laughs> you know. Well, I think the bees do more of, the, of that work. I, I just, you know, make sure. Well, unfortunately, you know, um, I guess our our electric fence, you know, it's a solar electric fence probably um, got disconnected somehow. And, you know, those, those little animals, they know, they like do the little nose touch or something and they go, right. Oh, this is a good, I could get in here. 
uh, <laughs> something happened. So you provided a feast for that bear. That was a that was a, a beautiful karma. You giving back. <laughs> yes, you know, I, to me, it's it, it's sort of like as long as the bees. There was only one time that I lost a hive to death, mm-hmm. and that was devastating for me. It it took a long, long time to get over that because I felt responsible. Mm. And um, and it it's really not a pretty sight because they fr- they mm. froze from condensation. Oh dear! Yeah, and so it's you know it really wasn't anybody's fault. Sometimes um if if the there's not enough circulation or there's we had it was particular uh it was a particular winter where it had um got gotten warm early and then froze up again so they go out and then they come back in and then they they could be wet and then they can't you know it just condensation so yeah the one thing that I'm so moved by, Anna, is that you're, there's a fearlessness that you, the way you navigate your creativity and your life, mm-hmm. you know, this fearlessness is, is, such a, is such a fantastic example because many of us, you know, as we get older, a, a lot of people get more afraid to take risks and do something new. And yet you're kind of going in the complete opposite direction where you just keep opening up to new ways to be creative. Wow. Um, I never thought of it that way, but I, I was very shy. And I, when I was younger, I, you know, I'm one of those people who are, was born innately shy. And, and mm-hmm. so, you know, people could always read what I was thinking because I would just rash up from, you know, chest, head. And, um, you know, and as you get older, those things, I don't know if it's hormonal, sort of go away a little bit. Not not Mm. much, but they're still there. But I just, I, in certain ways, I'm more careful, but in other ways, I'm more daring because I want to do all the things that I had dreamed to do when I was a kid. You know, it's always about financials, you know, and, and yes. surviving and, and what you, you can actually do. You know, like um, I learned photography, for example, by friends and boyfriends when I was very young. and But I couldn't afford to be a photographer because printing cost so much mm-hmm. you know and that was just an art even though I had a interesting eye I couldn't afford to do um drawing I, I it's very difficult I mean you know I'm I totally understand being in the in the arts myself as an actor and and I started writing but but it's a it's it's a precarious world to be in and we do make choices based on financials often yes and so you know i mean i wouldn't say that you know i'm financially well off but i i i have saved enough money to be able to explore uh things that i you know 
I can't explore. You know, I've now I quit my son through college and, uh, you know, there was time available and everything that, you know, why not? I have time. Of course. You know, so, and it was scary. I have to say, you know, I graduated from NYBG with honors, but I used to shake in some of those classes because I, you know, people mm. went to major art schools and uh, like RISD and were, uh, I, you know, I was intimidated left and right, but I just kept my nose down and I just thought of what I wanted to do, which was tell stories. You know, I yes. want to tell stories. I want to give back to the world. I, I want the world, I want people to appreciate the beauty that we have. Um, and the best way to do that is with the young, I feel, because it's I agree. still very impressionable. And, um, you know, and believe that we can change things uh, if we just put our mind to it. So mm -hmm. I think that's it. You know, I'm not, I'm not driven by, you know, oh, I want to be a great artist or anything like that. I just want to tell stories. Yes, that's beautiful. And you're also sculpting. Yes. Now. <laughs> Another way of telling stories, but, um, you know, glass is always, uh, glass is like water. And for me, water has always been so very interesting because what happens in a breath is very interesting to me because life and death happens in one breath. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. the idea of being able to capture something forever um, mm. is, is very interesting to me. And, you know, I also, uh, so it's gone from taking pictures underwater. Yes, I remember those photos. I remember, I remember seeing some of your photo work underwater. Yes. Yeah. And um, it's magical what happens under that water. You know, I we had a we have a very dear friend who uh, has come down with Parkinson's, and he seems very frail, you know, in in life. But when he went under the water to take this portrait, uh, he became strong again. It and vibrant, wow. and it was just stunning to see that, you know. Hmm. That's just one of the examples that, you know, I cling to. <laughs> That's gorgeous. That's gorgeous. I, I also want the listeners to know that your artwork is featured in holiday cards and I'm, I'll put a link to that oh, thank you. with the interview. Thank you. Yeah. Because they're gorgeous. It, the images are stunning. Hopes and bubbles <laughs> and under the twinkle lights. I mean, even the titles get me just, just get me so excited and happy. Oh, thank um, you. And I, yes. And I, I, I do believe, I believe in magic 100%. Um, I even believe in magic for people who don't believe in magic. I love that. I love <laughs> you. That's so perfect. That's so perfect. That's so you. I've always, you always, you twinkle, you twinkle. You've taught me so much. And I feel um, you are an extraordinary storyteller, not just in your writing, but in your artwork and in your view of the world and how you want to tell these stories so that the world is a better place. I mean, yes, 
you know, I think as we get older, for most of us, not all yeah. of us, but most most of us, I think the ego kind of disappears because it's just exhausting. Yes, yes, yes. And, 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 you, and you realize there's so much more that's, you know, grander than we are, you know. It's... Absolutely. God. Um, and, and the other thing that I, I really appreciate is, is that your artwork is connecting children, adults, back to nature and, and what is around us every day that we just kind of walk by and you allow us to take a moment to say, oh my goodness, look at that. Look at that drop of water on the leaf. There's something inside mm. that's alive. Oh my goodness. Um, and the joy it brings is so palpable. It's so visceral that um, I'm just so grateful to you that that you're doing oh all goodness. that you're doing. <laughs> well, um, thank you so much. I, you know, you just don't think about these things. You just do. But I, you know, and um, I am when someone tells me that they have been touched and that, you know, they, ha you know, I just received a little note saying thank you um, because every day when I look at your Facebook, I am. Um, uh, I could be tired or had a really bad day, but I always find something joyful. I, I, I can't tell you how how it warms my heart that I'm actually, mm -hmm. you know, reaching, you know, it's not a lot of people, but it's few people. And I, 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 I really, I think this is our obligation as we get older as human beings or just every day that we we take time to express beautiful things and, uh, when people move us and cherish each other, you know, because that's all we have. That's really all we have. You can have all the money in the world, but really it doesn't make you happy. What makes you happy is doing things that make others happy, I believe. And that was the magical Anastasia Traina. Thanks for tuning in to Compass with Antoinette Lavecchia. Ciao, and see you next time.